Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Championship Roundtable. I'm your host, Jake Jackman, and you can reach us at the show by emailing us championshiproundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm James Vickers. I'm the Preston North End fan on the podcast. You can reach me on Twitter at underscore James Vickers, and I write for a Preston North End fan blog, which is at Deepdale Digest, where we have weekly roundtable discussions, match report, and then general things like latest news and gossip. And my name is Benjamin Bloom. I'm on the pod to talk about Ipswich Town and their litany of draws. Um, you can get me on the Twitter at Benjamin Bloom. More importantly, I appear on the Blue Monday podcast every Monday, which is at Blue Monday ITFC. Thanks so much for joining us today, guys. We'll start with making the rounds where each of us have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our club this week. We'll start with you, James. A good win for Preston yesterday against Reading. And now you're only six points playoffs currently. How do you think that that's going to go? Do you think you've got a chance of getting in the playoffs? And what are your sort of feelings about Preston over the week? Yeah, it's not been a bad week, really. We, uh, we started off with a draw at Derby, which wasn't the best. We didn't play too well but it was a good point to get after what happened last weekend away at Fulham getting beat 3-1. So it was nice to actually sort of stop the rot there, as it were, um, get the point on the board, move on from that. We didn't play too well, and it was a last-minute sort of lucky long ball over the top that we got the goal from. But yeah, we uh, we went into the weekend where we've been quite good at home this season. We uh, we played a Reading team who were chasing promotion, as you said, and we even though we had, I think it was 37% possession throughout the whole game, I know you've mentioned on this podcast before that they they seem to have a lot of the ball but don't really do too much with it. It was sort of quite evident yesterday. We we hit them with a couple of counter-attacking goals. Um, Tom Barkus and in particular was absolutely fantastic. Took his first goal really well from from the edge of the box, bending it into the far top corner. And it was just you know a, a typical sort of what you've come to associate with Preston now home performance. Exciting players like McGeady and Horgan getting forward well, solid at the back. And we're as we were sort of when we were down in League One, we're turning Deepdale into a real fortress again, which if you want to be challenging for the playoffs, as you mentioned, we're six points off now. You need to do that and win most of your home games, if not all of them, and start picking up points away, which after the Fulham game, it was important that we bounce back. And we have done this week with a point away from home, which was sort of well-deserved, even though we didn't play too well. And then a comprehensive victory against, obviously, uh, a playoff hopeful in Reading. So, can't complain with this week, which is unusual for a Preston fan. So, we go into the game against Blackburn next weekend now. A big derby match, full of confidence. So, hopefully it continues next weekend and we uh, we really sort of chase down this pack in the playoffs now. Yeah, I just want to ask you about the playoffs. What is the sort of general 
feeling amongst Preston fans in regard to getting into the top six? Do you still think it's likely? Because, I mean, before this weekend, it looked like a, a sort of quite difficult, but the results sort of went your way apart from apart from Fulham, which I'm sure we'll come into in a little bit. So do, do you think that Preston have a chance of getting into the top six? Or do you think that with only nine games to go, it, it's going to be the, the point gap is a bit too big? Yeah, it's sort of an interesting one, really. It's kind of split most Preston fans. I mean, at the start of the season, I would have, if someone had said to me, you'll you'll just about stay up and consolidate your position that we we sort of built on last year, I would have taken that. But as sort of, we're in quite a similar sort of place sort of to where we were last year with regards to chasing the playoffs. We, with about five games to go last season, sort of fell off a bit and, and that was that. But this season, there seems to be, don't know something a little bit extra with us where okay we're we're probably still outsiders for the playoffs but sort of most seasons in the championship there's that one team that puts a, a run together towards the end of the season and just sneaks in there um we've got obviously blackburn next weekend who you know they're fighting relegation it's a derby game so you know form really goes out the window but i'd fancy us to go there and and hopefully get a win. And then after that, we've uh, got some sort of fairly winnable games coming up. Okay, we've got Leeds away, which will be a difficult one. But if we do want to get in the playoffs, they're the games we, we need to be winning. Um, but yeah, it's. I wouldn't say I'm optimistic of getting in the playoffs. I think as long as the team give it their all and sort of fight until it's no longer mathematically possible. But, you know, never say never in, in football. Um, we've got a great chance to get in and uh, sort of as I said yeah um, there's always that one team that seems to put a run together so you know why not Preston this year yeah and moving on to Ipswich with you now Ben obviously the playoffs are really on your agenda at the moment well, but what, you, what are they <laughs> but but you are sort of well clear of the relegation uh, battle in my opinion what's your sort of uh, views on Ipswich this week in the last you know few weeks since you since you've been on the podcast, because you were a little bit against Mick McCarthy slightly, or I guess uh, just a little bit bored of what was going on at Switch, but it's, it's <laughs> sort of got a little bit better, if if a little bit more boring. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to be too 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 focused. No, on you, that part, you, but... you nailed it, Jake. Um, so last time I was on was before the Preston game, um, and then after that, um, we kind of had a really bad day. It was the um, it was deadline day and we didn't sign anybody again. And everyone was hoping that the replacement for Murphy that we were promised back in August was going to come. We got hammered by Derby at home. So everything was really down. And then it all picked up. We we bought Emir Hughes um, on loan, which we were a bit kind of blasé about from Cardiff. He comes into the team against Reading and we have a, we have a good game against Reading and we draw 2-2 with them. Then we go away to Villa and win. Then we draw away at Brighton and you're thinking, this is good. Then we draw at home to Leeds and we really should have beaten them. And we go to Norwich for the big derby game. And, you know, they've had they've had it over us for pretty much 15 years now. And we get a draw there. So we, we're not winning a lot. And um, that obviously brings the points per game down. But they were difficult games against good teams. But the past three games it's kind of tailed off and we spoke about this on on our pod about you know possibly what is there to play for after the Norwich game um you know Newcastle are, are coming on Easter Monday and they'll bring tons of fans and there's obviously the the Bobby Robson link and the Daryl Murphy link but otherwise um 
and it has tailed off. The the game against Brentford was a bit kind of drab and it went 1-1. Um, so that took us to Tuesday and a nil-nil draw at home to Wolves. And I just saw a picture of Paul Lambert and Mick McCarthy standing together on the touchline. And you kind of think, God, you know, this is going to be entertaining, isn't it? Um, so that one went nil-nil. And all of a sudden you are one, two, three, four, five draws in a row, which takes us to the away game um, at Barnsley on Saturday. Um, again, Mick has kind of regressed now. We, he's managed to get from 4-4-2 to 3-5-2 and um, Hughes and Ward in centre midfield were, you know, kind of active and we had, you know, Sears and McGoldrick up front uh, while Lawrence was suspended and Lawrence and McGoldrick up front and it was all all looking quite good but now it's gone to um, Diaga, Raga and Skews in midfield so two more defensive minded guys Sears isn't in the team Ward was out as well so the pace has kind of gone out of the team and you know some of the centre-halves are getting a bit more exposed on the ball so it's kind of regressed a bit back to to where it was we we got a point on um, Saturday Barnsley seemed to have the better of it even though most of their attempts were kind of long ranges or following in corners or whatnot and right at the end we got a I say lucky, but we did close down and win the ball twice in the phase for the goal and Tom Lawrence um, followed it in. So we got a reasonably um, lucky draw. So that's uh, six draws in a row, eight draws in 10 games, um, which is all thoroughly, you know, you'd rather have one one or the other. But um, And as people often say, six points in six games where you could have picked them up you could have won two and lost four and still had the same amount of points. Um, more pressingly, though, um, our excellent goalkeeper, Bartosz Bielkowski, has been quoted on a Polish website about his dream to play in the Premier League on the same day as our reserve goalkeeper, Dean Gherkin, signed a new contract for next season. So um, looks like he's possibly on the way out in the summer. So, yeah, much as it was over here at Ipswich, kind of um, seeing out the games until the end of the season, really, Jake. Yeah, that's an interesting one on, on Bielkowski because I saw him when he first came to Southampton and I thought he was quite a good keeper then, but obviously things didn't go completely the, the way he would have wanted to there. I haven't seen a great deal of Ipswich this season past sort of highlights and things. How, how good is he? Do you think he is good enough for the Premier League? Um, it's hard to say. Um, obviously, he gets... We, we concede a lot of chances, so he he gets a lot of practice. There's there's some question on how commanding he is. Sometimes we've conceded goals where balls have been crossed in, and you think, oh come on, this is six yards, you know, five yards out, you know, come and get it. But um, he's been our he was our player of the year last season. Okay, you know that's a you know kind of damning with faint praise because we, we haven't played well for a couple of seasons. But it's hard to say. He's he's big. He's, um, you know, he communicates well. His kicking's not great. Um, but he's been fantastic for us. And um, it'd be a shame to see him go to, I don't know, West Brom or Southampton again and sit on the bench. Um, but you know what Marcus Evans is like if someone wafts, Three million, four million, five million in front of him. 
he'll probably blink, I think. Yeah, moving on to Newcastle now. Um, after last week when I came on the podcast and was you know, very optimistic about our promotion chances and talking about probably one of the best weeks in our recent history, we have gone and done in Newcastle and dropped a lot of points in the last seven days and really put ourselves under a lot of needless pressure in terms of trying to win this league or getting promoted as i've often said i'm not too bothered about winning the league it's getting that automatic promotion that i want more so i mean we are still top of the league on goal difference we, we've still got a six point gap on Huddersfield, and with our goal difference they'll sort of need to overturn more than those six points so probably need to us to lose sort of three or four times if they are going to overtake us so i'm still pretty confident we will get in the top two but it is sort of just made it a bit more nervy for us. I, I went to Reading on Tuesday. They weren't very good. They just sort of passed the ball about a lot. Had a couple of chances, one in the first minute, one in the last minute. But between that, you know, we were the better team. We created more chances. Probably should have scored in the first half. Came very close, uh, hit the post. But we we just uh, sort of tired in the second half. That if we, but the fact that we didn't score in the first half, we sort of put so much pressure on ourselves. And with the three away games to travel, sort of the intensity that we put into it, we just had nothing left and we sort of just let it coast to a draw. We didn't put that much effort in it. And seven points from those three away games was a good return. So that wasn't a big disappointment for me. I thought that was a good point to take and sort of kept our momentum going. But then moving on to this weekend, this is where it got a little bit more disappointing. We had DeAndre Yedlin ruled out with an injury. So we had to start Vernon and Eater right back. And he was definitely targeted by Fulham. Uh, but that, that wasn't sort of the main reason. We shouldn't be focused on, on how well Fulham played because they did play very well. And we'll come on to a couple of players that I thought were really good for them. But it was the fact that we were just so, our game plan was wrong. We sort of gave possession up and we weren't that good at trying to get the ball back. We, we were letting Fulham play a lot and we should really be doing that at St. James Park. I think Rafa got the tactics wrong. And for a good as good as the manager Rafa but has been for Newcastle, it was his year anniversary on Saturday. He's not beyond criticism and he would know, you know, he, he knows that himself. I, I think a lot of Newcastle fans don't want to criticise him because they think that, you know, we're lucky to have him. He's a world-class manager. That is right, but you know when he gets things wrong, it's it's fine to criticise him. And he, he got it wrong on Saturday. He, he should have maybe played two up front. He, he maybe should have started Daryl Murphy. He didn't do either of those things. And Fulham just sort of dominated the game. They got got the early goal from Tom Kearney, which uh, if you've seen it, it was a quality goal. There's little you could do to avoid that. But the closing down in the build-up was lacking. We should have maybe closed down a little bit more. We shouldn't have given him that much space because any. Anybody who's watched any sort of championship football this season will know that Tom Kearney, like Tom Lawrence for Ifwich, can put the ball in the back of the net from a long way out. And he did that. And, and that gave them the, the start that they needed. And at St. James Park at the moment, the atmosphere sort of goes a bit flat if we don't score in the first 10 minutes. The, play, uh, the fans get on the, the players' back and we just rarely get back into matches. And that happened on Saturday. You know, there's a lot of or groans and things and, and we just weren't going to get back in that game Fulham were excellent I'm not going to take anything away from Fulham that was one of the best performances I've seen this season for, from a team that we've played against but we were also equally as bad we didn't create much we weren't you know as good as we were at Brighton we weren't closing down we weren't winning those second balls and it, it should have been more than 3-1 I know they missed a penalty in the last minute they probably could have scored a few more during a uh, at normal time as well it was just just one of those games that it was another wake-up call that we've had you know we've lost a lot of games especially at St James Park our home record isn't good in our last five home matches I think we've only won once uh which is yeah not great we drew to Bristol City in QPR now lost losing to Fulham it's just 
Yeah, we're making it a lot more difficult than we need to be making it. But our next three uh, league games, I think we've got Birmingham away and then Wigan at home. You know, if, if we don't take nine points out of that, we are asking for trouble. So I, I, I'm not panicking yet. I still think we're going to go up. Uh, we're top of the league. Look, we're, we're t- we've got scored the most goals, got the most wins in this division. There's no reason for us to be too agitated at the moment because of, because of this result. But it was disappointing and it was just sort of typical Newcastle dropping these points and making it a lot more difficult than it should have been. But <laughs> moving into the topics for today, I just want to ask each of you sort of, who do you think is the best player in the championship? Because seen a lot of talk on Twitter, you know, among various accounts and who they think is the best. Tom Kenny, who I just briefly spoke about, has been uh, spoken about by a lot of sort of media, um, or national media as being the best player in the championship and somebody that should probably be playing in the Premier League. Who do you, who do you guys think is the best player uh, in the championship that you've seen sort of when, when teams have played against your sides? Yeah, um, sort of, you, you've mentioned Tom Kearney, sort of when I was having a look earlier on and writing down who I thought was the best player, I wanted to try and stay clear of, of Tom Kearney because I've spoken about him a lot on this podcast before as sort of one of the best players in the championship. So two I've gone for really, uh, one that I'd like to think you'd agree with Jake, Dwight Gale. Uh, he's got 21 goals now this season and what I was quite surprised about I know he's had a few injuries but um, when he plays he's averaged a goal every 91 minutes so almost a goal every game which is sort of a fantastic return especially for a player who has sort of dropped down a league now sort of as it were playing for Crystal Palace and, and Newcastle in the Premier League to get 21 goals at an average of nearly a goal a game when he does play is absolutely fantastic um, so that would be the first player I'd go for the second one I wanted to sort of highlight and I don't think he's got sort of enough praise this season for how well Brighton have uh, have done. Is uh, Anthony Knockart? He's come sort of from Leicester. He, he sort of when Leicester were down in the Championship was was instrumental in getting them promoted and didn't particularly do too well in the Premier League. Um, that sort of for a, a player like him, he seems to be sort of a confidence player that could have you know disheartened him. But he's come to Brighton and this season, sort of thirteen goals and seven assists. He's He's been one of the real sort of main reasons why Brighton are, are up the league. Obviously, they've got a fantastic squad the same way Newcastle have. But I think he's been sort of that that player that you need to really compete at the top that's going to provide you goals and, and unlock defences in sort of what can be quite a tight league at times. So, yeah, they're, they're the two players that I'd go for. Obviously, I wanted to stay away from sort of the obvious one like Tom Kearney because um, I'd imagine... Sort of most people that'd be their go-to player with the amount of media attention he gets and and you know on TV. Um, so yeah, they're the two I'd go for. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Yeah, Ben, who do you think is sort of the best player in the championship, or at least a player that has sort of impressed you uh, this season that you've seen against Ipswich, or for Ipswich, if you want to talk about an Ipswich player? <laughs> well, obviously, <laughs> obviously, some fans might say. Uh, Tom Lawrence, who's been fantastic, but he doesn't belong to us, but but we love him nonetheless. Um, yeah, going back to what you were saying, I do think there's no coincidence that Tom Kearney is English and plays in London, hence the media are all over him. Um, when I saw uh, Fulham thrash Ipswich in December, um, Johansson was actually the 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 man that day. He was he was fantastic, um, and also another centre midfield, um, Moy for Huddersfield, um, very good player. Um, in terms of playing uh, against Ipswich, um, I wanted to say about Tammy Abraham, um, who's frankly playing under a terrible manager in a terrible team. He got the ball booted up to Wilbraham and kind of um, fed off scraps and still managed to get a goal. He looked really dangerous, just like a nuisance. And I think of all the kind of, you know, players in the championship he's the sort of guy who the valuation would be high and who probably has a chance um of doing it at a higher level maybe not at Chelsea but you know I'm sure he'll be sold on for a big fee one day uh the other one um I was going to say I saw Leeds um a couple of weeks ago and both their centre-halves in fact were good but Jansen the um centre-half was you get a lot of donkey centre-halves you know you Christoph bearers and such um, who are big units. They head everything away and they're very effective in the championship. But you look at them and you think uh, you're, you're a bit too slow and your passing's not good enough to play at a high level. Whereas Janssen, I thought, was was real old school. He, he reminded me of when English teams weren't so good in Europe and you came against a wily um, European centre-half. Um, and I thought him and Bartley were excellent, but um, him in particular, so... Um, yeah, so Moy, Johansson, Abraham and Jansen, I think, are my picks. And obviously that's based on what I've seen against Ipswich. Yeah, for me, I, I guess it, uh, Tom Kearney has impressed me a lot and I think he's going to be playing Premier League football next season. But whether that's going to be for Fulham, that's yet to be seen. Aaron Moy, like like you mentioned, he, he impressed me when we played against Huddersfield. He's so good on the ball, very composed. Always looks to play forward passes and he's sort of no mug when his team doesn't have the ball. And I think that's important in the championship. Like he can win the ball back. He's not afraid of the physical side. And it's sort of surprising how he's, he, his sort of career, I look, I'm just sort of looking at it right now. He's, he's 26 years old, played in the sort of Australian A-League most of his career. And then he's been signed to Manchester City at the age of 26 and learned out to Huddersfield. Seems like such a weird career move, but I guess that's sort of one of those where the Premier League team is buying somebody for a sell-on value and I guess they'll sell him on this summer either to Huddersfield or somebody else so yeah he's definitely going to be one to keep an eye on this summer to see where he ends up because he's been very good and definitely one that can play in the Premier League and for Brighton uh, I'd agree about Knockout he's been excellent he was excellent last season Glenn Murray's been good but I wouldn't say he's one of the best players in the league he just sort of scores goals and is that sort of classic championship centre forward but Lewis Dunk has always impressed me when I watched him. I was very surprised they kept hold of him it, during the summer. I thought he was definitely going to get a move to uh, a Premier League club. He was so good last season. He's a modern centre-half who can, can carry the ball, play with his feet. He's, he scores goals frequently. You know, he's, he's very good. 
and uh, he has to be playing Premier League football next season, and I'm sure he will be with Brighton. I, I don't think they're going to not get promoted again. So that that would be interesting to see how he does at that level. So that, they're sort of the ones that I talk about. Shelby, uh, he hasn't been mentioned, so I've got to bring him up. I think on his day, there are a few players in this country, sort of few English centre midfielders who are better than him. But his days are, f- are not as frequent as I thought they were going to be the season. That you know the period, sort of around September to December, where he was dominating and sort of every game we played in, he just ran them. But since he's come back, he hasn't been as good. And I think it's noticeable when he has a bad game. Newcastle often drop points, and that's been the case in the last two matches. So yeah, he's, he's been really good and really reinvented himself. He still gets in a bit of trouble sometimes, but he's a lot fitter than he was last season. He, he's a lot more consistent than he was, and hopefully that continues uh, because he, if, as much for England as for for Newcastle, because I think he's a player that could be quite important to the national team going forward. I don't think we've got many centre midfielders like him, and it's sort of the, the positive thinking sort of midfielder that we need in, in the national team. So hopefully he keeps progressing and gets into fewer sort of disputes as he has done at the moment but the second question I just will ask each of you as I sort of designed this because I as apology to you James but I can't see either of you getting into the Premier League next season so no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean if you do I would love to see it because it would be incredible but I can't sadly don't really see it so I just want to ask you sort of how you've assessed your season and and have your club made any mistakes and so sort of what changes you want to see in the summer ahead of next year? So we'll start with you, James, for this one. Yeah, when you asked me about this, I was sort of a bit stuck, really. Um, obviously, we've had a fantastic season and there's not really too much that I can sort of be too critical about. From We've sort of built on last year. We've, we've done great in the transfer market again spotting sort of bargains like Barkusen who scored two yesterday he's got four in three now and we signed him on a free transfer from Morecambe so sort of can't really get better than that and then the two lads that we've brought in from Dundalk uh, Daryl Horgan and Andy Boyle have both been fantastic since they've come into the team as well so on the pitch there's not really anything I can complain about to be honest or, or think that we need to improve so I've, I've kind of gone off the pitch um, really uh, the one sort of main concern that I've got and it's been the same for sort of a while now. Granted, we were down in League One for a few years. Um, it's the home attendances. For when we played Arsenal, obviously you're gonna you're gonna attract a big crowd for an FA Cup game of that caliber. So we had just over twenty two thousand there. But then you go to a normal home game, and that that attendance, sort of on average, unless you're playing obviously like a Leeds or a Newcastle, we're going to bring and fill that away end with a couple of thousand. The home attendance drops down to about sort of eleven, twelve thousand, which sort of is a massive, massive drop. And while the home attendances are low, there's not really. A, obviously, we're playing sort of well on the pitch, doing all we can sort of on the pitch to encourage uh, people to come on and watch. But there's not really sort of anything to go in hand with that from from sort of the club. I know sort of teams like Bradford and Huddersfield, for example have with their season tickets sort of lowered prices to encourage more fans to come on and then you get sort of teams you know going into schools and giving out tickets to kids because it's sort of very easy sort of where Preston's based for teams to you know follow your likes of your Manchester clubs nowadays and and your Liverpool so you see quite a lot of people in in and around Preston obviously with Liverpool shirts and Manchester United and Man City shirts so I think the club are sort of really missing a trick sort of off the field at the moment um sort of could do with working on the marketing especially in the summer 
Um, if you know we're challenging for the playoffs this year, there's there's sort of a real sort of onus on the club to to sort of entice fans to come on games next season, especially with the sort of the exciting sort of fast-paced football that we're playing at the moment, um, and sort of especially going into schools giving out tickets. It's say I don't know, you give out sort of free tickets to schools that gets people on, and say out of every ten, you get one or two who sort of you know start to like it and and they get their families to come down straight away you've got a couple more people coming on each week and you've got to sort of build it from there really um but yeah that's that's sort of the main disappointment really this season but it's been the way for sort of the last few years really um sort of since we were like an established championship team challenging for promotion in the playoffs sort of going back sort of really to sort of 2008 2009 um so the club definitely need to work on that in the summer um but as far as on the pitch goes i've I've got absolutely no complaints at the moment it's probably the best i've seen sort of preston play in in the time i've been supporting them and uh, hopefully that continues yeah, a question on sort of what's been going on the pitch because Preston have had an excellent season and, and consolidated themselves in the championship after their promotion a couple of seasons ago. Is a team like Sheffield Wednesday the sort of that you'd like to replicate their sort of success because they've sort of built on what they've had each season and now I consider them one of the top four teams in the division despite their position. I know they're only in six, but I think a lot of people expect them to challenge for automatic promotion this season and they maybe should have done. Is that a sort of a club you'd like to sort of, sort of, I don't know, because if you keep in your success each season, keep adding players and to slowly bring up the team to promotion level, then in a few seasons time, Preston could be challenging for that. Yeah, that's um, sort of the way sort of me and most Preston fans look at it, really. Um Sort of every year, Simon Grayson's been with us. We've we've improved each season on, on where we've finished the previous season. Uh, he got us promoted out of League One. Um, and sort of broke our playoff curse. I think it was the the tenth time being in the playoffs uh, and never actually winning them. Which, when you think all you need to do is win a semi final and a final to to be in it ten times and only sort of get promoted the once, is quite astonishing, really. So he's turned us now into sort of a solid championship team. Uh, last season, sort of first season back, we were sort of setting out not to lose games um, rather than sort of going out to win them, especially against like the lower teams, which was understandable, you know, sort of first season back, you want to make sure that you stay up first and foremost and then sort of build on that. And that's exactly what he's done this season. Um, he's been absolutely fantastic in the sort of the transfer market in particular, um, bringing in sort of, as I mentioned, Horgan and, and Barkers and, um, and he seems to get the best out of players as well that he brings in. Um, sort of Aidan McGeady's kind of sort of, He's just one player of the month for the championship. He's he's really sort of turned Aidan McGeady around, especially sort of with the comments we were getting from Everton fans when we signed him on loan that they were sort of glad to get him off, off their books. And it was the same when we had Beckford down in League One, Bolton fans that were, couldn't wait to, to see the back of him. And more or less single-handedly, albeit with the help from Joe Garner at the time, got us promoted Um so yeah, sort of going back to Sheffield Wednesday, that's sort of the way sort of we're heading as a club. We're we're not splashing sort of millions. We're not really in that position to do so yet. Um, I think we're still sort of losing money, um, sort of on like a week to week and season basis. But it's it's a good job we've got a, a chairman who's passionate about the club who is continuing to put money in. Um, but obviously, sort of establishing ourselves as a as a championship team. 
sort of the money comes with that really so um as as long as we continue to build this season uh, which we have done and then hopefully next season sort of challenge for the playoffs see where that takes us and as long as we're improving and, and going in the right direction and playing an exciting brand of football which we were sort of known for in the past uh yeah i've got no complaints really so as long as we yeah carry on heading in that direction uh we'll, sort of the fans and myself in particular are happy yeah, moving on to, you know, Ben and, and Ipswich, sort of what mistakes do you think your club's made this season and are there any changes you want to see implemented during the summer? I guess we could start with Daryl Murphy being sold to Newcastle. I guess that's a good place to start. Yeah, I mean, it's not so much Daryl Murphy being sold, you know, he was a good servant for us and uh, Newcastle paid a good fee and no one would begrudge a 33-year-old footballer getting a payday at the end of his Career, it's the um, how can I word this? Because I get annoyed about people saying we didn't replace him. It's Mick McCarthy's inability to um, deal without him there, despite the fact that on the books he had uh, Brett Pittman, Freddie Sears, David McGoldrick, and obviously then Tom Lawrence has moved from this wide player to this forward player. So, um, it kind of goes to a wider question. I've been thinking about this of can you actually survive in the championship without a big lump up front? And you should be able to, I think there are, there are many ways to skin a cat. Um, In terms of what's gone wrong with Ipswich, it's a, it's a bigger thing than just this season. Obviously we're much derided for our 15 years in the championship as the song goes. Um, Evans, backed Keane, he backed Jewel, and he doesn't want to give Mick any money or Mick won't spend the money. And they're very, very tight with the budgets. So from last season, where we finished just off the playoffs in seventh place, um, Webster came in, was, you know, good signing. This is the thing where Mick actually signs people. Grant Ward has been good. You know, both young players, both from the division down or you know um he was a Spurs player ward and he'd been on loan when Mick does sign players he tends to he tends to get it right but I think the the big disaster has been Murphy going and a lot of the money then was tied up in Johnny Williams loan move from Crystal Palace he as he tends to got injured so that gamble didn't pay off then even in the January window, we took Dominic Samuel on loan from Reading and he immediately broke his toe. Um, but there's, there's bigger things there. The club's in a rut. Sometimes we actually get compared to Arsenal. I know there's been all this Arsenal comedy this week, but when you look at it, it's a club in a rut with uh, an old school manager who likes things, does done his ways and had success a long time ago and both of them have come out and said oh we'll talk in the summer and we'll sort things out there that's probably the only comparison we've got to Arsenal but um, you can see where where people are coming from so it's a bit of a I don't know I mean you use the word boring predictable it is a bit like that that they're that they're in a rut um, Ipswich it would be Nice to see new players come in. I think there's a few players nearing the end of their cycle of usefulness, if I don't sound like a horrible football fan there. Um, 
people like I think Berra, it's well known, is going to go back to Scotland. Um, but maybe people like Skews, Chambers could be, you know, replaced by Bishop or Smith. And dare I say, even though he's very skillful, maybe even people like David McGoldrick, although that's less likely. But it would be nice to have some new blood either on the pitch. A lot of Ipswich fans would say um, in the dugout they'd like to see a change. I'd certainly like to see Mick either spend some money. If he doesn't spend some money, I really don't see what's going to be any different next season. And you mentioned teams like Sheffield Wednesday, Preston. They, they all are more active in their, you know, in their attempts to develop their clubs than the Ipswich seem to be. So something needs to happen. Um, I'm I'm not I'm not Mick out. Um, I'm I'm on the fence. Um, you know that could. <laughs> With five wins in a row, I'll be Mick in, and five defeats in a row, I'll be Mick out. You know, it's that it's that fickle on the knife edge at the moment. But something, some injection needs to happen in in the summer. Don't know, don't know what it's going to be, but certainly um, a club in a rut, I think. Yeah, I'm just looking at the table, and, and if it's drawn 15 games, three more than any other club in in the division. But you know the loss, the the total losses is quite encouraging if you're going to build and invest in this team under Mick McCarthy because he obviously knows how to manage in this division because he's doing a relatively, I w- I wouldn't say good job, but you know he's he's I wouldn't say if you're under any threat of going down. And when you look at the way that Blackburn have been managed, Wolves and, and Nottingham Forest as well, it can be, you know, it could easily go the other way. So with a little bit of investment, you're not too far away from pushing for the playoffs, especially as last season you came quite close to doing so. Yeah, it's 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 tricky because I, I could be very cantankerous and say it could be worse, but it could also be better. You see um, how well, say, Grayson's doing at Preston, Heckenbottom's doing at Barnsley. Wagner's doing at um, Huddersfield. Um, uh, Leeds manager, what's he called? Monk is doing at Leeds. And you you just wonder, oh, maybe, you know, maybe a different manager in a different style would have that, um, would have that same set of players. Um, and I think this is the big thing, playing a bit more of an exciting... Um, I don't expect us to be swashbuckling like Newcastle in 1995 or what have you, but just um, you say about the lack of defeats, it's a bit more nuanced than that because a lot of the time we've had um, experienced big centre-halves, two defensive midfielders in front of it, possession going forward quickly and swarming on the... um, swarming on the second ball. And I think most fans would say we'd rather lose a few more games and be a little less pragmatic and sort of defensive. But you're right, it could be a lot worse. But really, the only way to to find out is to change something, isn't it? So either new players or or new manager, either either or. Um, I, just, I just hope the rest of the country doesn't look at Ipswich fans and think that we're ungrateful um, because we are patient supporters. You know, Mick's obviously the longest serving manager there in the league. All, all we want is for the young players to come through to, if you look at our attacking stats, they're really poor. 
score some goals and try and win some games and you've got happy fans generally haven't you so um it's um there's there's more than meets the eye let's just say when you're looking in from the outside yeah that's a fair comment it sort of reminds me a little bit of of how the Newcastle fans were portrayed of, of the whole Pardew thing because I think a lot we were portrayed as being quite ungrateful because he, he got us to fifth, he'd done quite a good job and we were not in any real threat of getting relegated. But it was the fact that we thought we could be doing a lot better. It wasn't that we 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 were unhappy with how badly he was doing. It was sort of that we thought that he wasn't getting the best out of the players. He wasn't doing as well as he should have done and a change was needed. And obviously we got, after he left, you know, Palace went on and did well under Pardew. We got relegated. It sort of made us look bad, but it wasn't the fact that we got rid of Pardew as the wrong appointment thereafter uh, and it's sort of similar to an extent I, I don't think if which if if you know there were any sort of calls for him to be sacked by supporters I don't think they'd be portrayed as being ungrateful I think it's not like Arsenal and their ridiculous sort of reaction to Arsene Wenger <laughs> it's nothing like that it's, it's not going to be like an Ipswich fan TV or anything coming out soon <laughs> but okay. it, it's yeah I, I think it's a fair comment I think you know, he, he's doing fine, but it's, it could go better. If you look at how Fulham have improved under Jokanovic as well, that's another great example. They were battling relegation last season. They've completely transformed. So some, if you get the right appointment, you you can easily go from being in that sort of bottom half to being in the top six in no time at all. There's lots of examples in the top six this season where they were struggling. So not maybe near the bottom or in the bottom half as much. You know, Reading under Yapstown, they've improved a lot although I think they're still in a somewhat false position but it's a, a change can, can breed you know excitement around the club and that that is sometimes more important that, than stability so it, it, well, it was well, interesting well Jake you've just summed it up um, and if you look at the numbers you, you've just reeled off about five managers that have improved their team if Ipswich finished 16th um, Mick will have regressed nine places in one season so the numbers don't lie lie there as well and another another thing that just just to bring up on that is that the national media love Mick McCarthy and all they do is look at the position and they're very pro him um do you know what I mean and sometimes all you get is they look at the league position and think oh it's Mick you know straight talking Yorkshireman he's good for the media he's good for a quote how could anybody possibly criticize him you know very much like you're saying about about Rafa but Enough of my moaning. I'll shut up now. <laughs> yeah, we'll move on to player watch for this weekend now. Um, we'll start with you, James, and Preston, who, who sort of impressed and disappointed uh, for your team this week. It's sort of quite hard again, really, to pick a player who's disappointed, especially in the Reading game. Um, sort of starting with the Derby game, sort of no one really played well, so you could sort of point five or six different fingers at, at players, but we were lucky to, you know, come away with a point in that game. Um, and with the Reading game, you know, 3-0 at home, um, the only sort of disappointing thing really uh, from the Reading game was the fact we, we only had 37% possession. But, you know, as, as it's been proved before, possession doesn't win football matches. The fact that we won 3-0 against a team who had sort of 60, 63, 64% possession against us sort of really shows what sort of a counter-attacking sort of team we are and the way we set up, at, especially at home against sort of the bigger teams, especially in and around the playoffs. Um, but the sort of the man I was the most impressed with, and it's a pretty obvious one, was Tom Barkusen. Um He scored the goal against Fulham last weekend where we got beat 3-1. He scored the equaliser against Derby in midweek, and then he got two goals, his first two home goals um, yesterday. Uh, he was absolutely fantastic. His... 
his run sort of in particular for for the Daryl Horgan goal was absolutely fantastic. He got it on the edge of our box from a Reading set piece, knocked it in between two Reading players who ended up tackling themselves, um, and then absolutely skinned their centre back. And it's that pace. I think I said sort of before January. Um, when I came on the podcast, that we were just lacking that little bit of pace up front. He's come in and sort of initially made a few substitute appearances off the bench and looked quite good. But when you're winning and sort of coming off the bench, it's it's not too hard to to look good, really. But he's uh, he's come in for the last few games and really done a fantastic job sort of playing wide and then coming in narrow um, or sort of coming in and, and aiding Hugill up front. Yesterday he was just unplayable. Um, he's the sort of the the build of him and sort of the way he looks. You wouldn't imagine him to be a particularly fast player, but he's sort of supporting Preston, one of the fastest players I can remember sort of watching. And you get sort of these players who sort of they are quite quick, but can't really do much with the ball. Sort of glorified sprinters almost, but he he seems to have sort of it all. He's he's sort of well built he's absolutely rapid and and as he proved yesterday he's got a, a good eye for goal his first one was absolutely fantastic finish um sort of coming across him and bent it into the far top corner um and then his second was a real sort of poacher's goal a little scramble in the box and he managed to uh to tuck it away so him and then i could name about five or six other players that were that were brilliant as well yesterday uh aiden mcgeady again fantastic but i've spoke about him enough on this podcast um yeah. So I don't want to talk about him again. Um, sort of credit where it's due to Barkers, and he's he's come in and been absolutely fantastic for us. And sort of a goal next weekend against Blackburn, and uh, he's more or less got the fans on his back for the uh, the whole time he's with us, really. So yeah, could definitely go for him. Yeah, and the same question for you, Ben, who's impressed and disappointed for Ipswich this weekend. Um, obviously, we've had our massive load of draws, so there's not. There's not really anything in the way of a player being responsible for us winning a game because we haven't had one for six games. Um, I can't not mention Tom Lawrence. And it's an interesting dynamic we've got where you've got Tom Lawrence and David McGoldrick up front. And the way I would describe it is um, David McGoldrick looks very impressive, but his goals and assists um, don't necessarily reflect that. And Tom Lawrence can have a bad game. He's come back since his suspension and he still gets the goals and he still gets the assist. He's just one of those footballers who just is the centre of attention, just, you know, just makes things happen. Um, at the back, Christoph Berrer has done well. Since we've gone to three at the back, he's the spare guy in the middle. All he has to do is win aerial balls, play it short and or clear it. And he's brilliant at that. And he doesn't get exploited on the ball. So he's looking good. Um, quick shout out for Brett Pittman, who hasn't played for a long, long while. Uh, Mick obviously is not fancying him at the moment. Um, sometimes he looks like a Sunday morning play, you know, kind of slouched and messy hair and not very quick. But he really knows where the goal is. He came on and got the got the assist. And um, maybe Mick sees him as a luxury player because he's not very good aerially. and you know, maybe he's not going to run 15 kilometres in a game and make 25 tackles. But his his stats do show him as being very um, effective. So, um, 
they're all sort of attacking players. I'm just wondering where he's going to go with with the front two in terms of who plays with Lawrence. Um, in terms of who disappointed, um, Tommy Smith came back from the Wolves for the Wolves game and only lasted 60 minutes. So he's not quite match fit. I don't know if you can call that disappointed, but certainly I'd like to see him getting back towards the first team and a possible three centre-halves next year when Webster is fit of Chambers, Webster and Smith, assuming Berra has left. For Newcastle, it's pretty hard to pick somebody who impressed. So I'll start off who disappointed. Um, it's probably two I'll pick out for this. It's, I could pick out anybody who started that game, but I would be here all night. So I'll just pick out two. Firstly, Vernon Anita. He's been pretty good good this season when he's played it right back he, he looks a lot more comfortable there than he does in, in the centre midfield or on the right wing where he played a few times at the start of the year but he was absolutely torn to shreds by Ryan Sessignon who is only 16 years old yes he's very talented yes he's got a big future but he is only 16 years old and an experienced player like Anita should be doing a lot better against him especially somebody you know he's a Dutch international he should have more than enough to deal deal with uh, Ryan Sessignon and he did not and it was Sort of, his contract's coming up at the end of the season and I just can't see him staying at the club past that. He's, he's been okay for us. He's never really lived up to, to the player we expected him to be. But, you know, it, he, it was quite... He, he will be having nightmares about that match for a long time and I fully expect him to get dropped for the next match, which is probably a good thing. Uh, another player that didn't really impress was uh, Modi Arme. Yeah, you'd never know which player's going to turn up. Sometimes he can absolutely rip teams apart of his pace and skill and sort of die running and at other times his first touch is awful he's so just inconsistent and he, that's the player we got at the weekend every time the ball came to him just nothing happened he, he offered nothing and it's you know he's very similar to Musa Sissoko who we had last year and just he's just exactly the same player I just wish we didn't have one of them in our squad to be honest they're just so frustrating but when he does turn up and when he does score ridiculous goals like he did against Brighton it's quite funny but it's yeah, that, it, <laughs> I've never seen a player score with such a bad first touch before, but, you know, that is Modi Army, and hopefully he improves. Uh, and when he's on form, he's good, but it's, it's just frustrating. Uh, I just, I'm not sure if he's going to offer that much if we do get promoted, so it's, it's a little bit of a concern there. Impressed? I don't really... No one impressed who started, but I, th- I think Ben will quite, uh, quite like to hear this because Daryl Murphy was excellent when he came on once again. He's, every time he plays, he just does well he just impresses there's nothing about his game that is disappointing he doesn't have the talent that the other players have but he just tries hard he, he doesn't give up like he came on it's you know down he could easily have just like went you know not really tried that hard just sort of went through the motions but he put he was running the channels he was pressuring defenders he, he scored a, a very good goal you know he's just he's, he's just such a it's so easy to like him and i hope that he stays next season if we do go up i think it'd be quite nice to see him get a go in the Premier League. He's not going to play very often, but I think he's the type of character that would be great to have around the squad. He's always positive. He always speaks well. He always tries when he when he gets on the pitch. And you know, unlike a certain uh, Alexander Mitch, who we also have, he's sort of a similar type of striker. When he's on the pitch, he won't let you down. He, he might miss a chance. He might do some, he might give the ball away, but he always gives 100%. He, or, and he, he does seem to produce. He, he scores good goals. He's, He's just he's just a great player to have. I think for, for Newcastle, all we want from our players as supporters is uh, players that try hard and always sort of deliver a consistent level of effort, if if anything else. And he definitely does that. So that has been great to see. Hopefully, you know, 
he gets a start next week against Birmingham because I think it's a game that he'd do very well in. And there's a lot of supporters this weekend who are saying that he should have started ahead of Gale. So that sort of shows how well he's thought of among the support at large. So it, it was a great performance and, and hopefully he continues that during the running. Um, but just moving on to the match previews now. Uh, we've all got matches next week. I don't think any of us play during the week. There's a few games on, so we'll, so we'll move on to next weekend. We'll start with you for this one, Ben. Ipswich have got a, a tough trip to Cardiff, who, who've been playing quite well recently um, under Neil Warnock. How do you think this one's going to go? <laughs> I think the entire country can pre- predict the outcome of this game, can't they? So uh, Cardiff are one defeat in seven, no wins in four, and three draws in there. Ipswich have drawn six in a row. Um the first game between Ipswich and Cardiff was a 1-1 draw where uh, Sol Bamba um, humorously had a meltdown and got himself sent off. Um, we always have fun with Neil Warnock, but I, I guess most sides who come against him think that they've got a, um, a kind of vendetta against him. Um, the way it's going, I'm expecting it to be a draw. I, I, I have to say I'd be, I'd be pleased not to lose. would be lovely to see us go there. I'm assuming... Hughes will be blocked from playing um, as it's his parent club in the loan, which means our midfield will be defensive. And yeah, get your money on a draw, Jake. And Preston, you spoke about it earlier, James. You've got a trip to to Blackburn in, in a local derby. How do you think this one's going? Uh, it's going to go. Are you quite confident that you'll get the win? Yeah, if it was sort of any any normal away game against the team in the relegation zone and, and sort of fighting for their lives, trying to sort of get any point they can, I'd be sort of fairly confident. Um, with it being a derby though, sort of as the cliche goes, all form goes out the window, but I think, well, we should have too much for them. We sort of, especially if we play like we did against Reading, um, especially on the counter-attack, uh, we should put a couple past them, no problem. Um, I think... Sort of, if if we do want to carry on challenging for the playoffs, this is a game like a must-win game now. Um, so it'll be interesting to see sort of how Grayson sets up for sort of most away games. He he sets up not defensively, but he kind of invites pressure on and then hits teams on the break. But with the way Blackburn are playing at the moment, I think it'd be sort of more suited for us to really go at them in the first 10 minutes and, and try and get them on the back foot, especially with their confidence being so low at the moment. Um, so it should be a good game anyway. Um, I'm going to it and quite looking forward to it. Just hope this week goes quick now. Um, we're taking, or last season, we took just under 7,000 fans. Uh, and I'd imagine sort of with, it's, it's sort of only a 20-minute trip. Uh, we should take sort of similar numbers again this season. So it'll be a great day out for the fans and uh, there's sort of nothing better than putting one over on, on your local rivals. Um, so fingers crossed we get a win and, and carry on challenging for the playoffs. Yeah, Newcastle, we've got a trip to play Birmingham, which looks very uninviting on the face of it. Birmingham are just falling down the t- table. Jim Franco is like, doesn't look like he's ever been on, doesn't really know what football's about. It's been quite embarrassing for him. <laughs> and to be honest, I, I don't think he's going to be in the job at the end of the season. So, yeah, our away form's good. We, we're we very good away. I think we've only dropped points three times away from home this season. So, uh, four times, it's, it's pretty good. We normally win away from home. We, we're a lot freer. We, there's not that much pressure. We sort of... Our game plan is, is more set up to playing away from home. I th- I think we should win this. I, I Often when we've lost this season, we've bounced back with a win in the next game. 
So yeah, I, I think we should win it. And if Gianfranco Zola is still in charge, I there's a few he might be leaving this week. So if he's still in charge, I'm pretty certain we'll win. I, th- I think hopefully we'll, we'll go there. It won't be pretty. We won't win massively. It will be a, a 1-0 or 2-1, something like that. But if we we'll, if we get back to winning ways, that should give us a bit of confidence to go into the last eight matches and then go on and get promotion as we've been expected to all season. So yeah, I, I think we'll win this. But yeah, I'm not really looking forward to it. It's just a bit of a... It's not really an inviting fixture. But yeah, I, I, I'll go for a win though. I, th- I think we'll win and, and get our promotion hopes back on track. But with that, we are now out of time so if you'd like to tell people where they can reach you or any projects you're involved in now would be a good time yes as i said before my name is james vickers i'm a preston north end fan as you can probably tell by sort of the last 50 minutes uh you can follow me on twitter at underscore james vickers um where i sort of tweet about preston quite often uh and you can also follow the uh preston north end fan blog that i write for which is at deepdale digest where we do roundtable discussions each week, match reports and and other little bits like that. Uh, And I'm also starting a new feature on there where I sort of catch up with ex-North End players and see how they're getting on now. So the first one uh, that I'm doing, that should be out this week with Lee Trundle, who's now playing uh, in the Welsh sort of conference, as it were, for Lonelli. So it should be quite a good interview. And uh, yeah, if you want to check it out, feel free. Wow, Lee Trundle. If if footballers were played on paid on skill, Lee Trundle would be like a millionaire, wasn't he? He, he could play, couldn't he? God, I'm um, sorry, Benjamin Bloom um, at Benjamin Bloom on Twitter, uh, Blue Monday ITFC at Blue Monday ITFC on the Twitter there for the podcast. We're on iTunes every Monday. Um, we do have fans from other clubs other than Ipswich listen to us. We've got some nice uh, Fulham fans, but I guess we say nice things about them. So um, yeah, get involved, get in on the podcast and. Quick one before you finish, Jake. Percentage chance of Newcastle ceiling promotion and at Portman Road and me having to sit and watch it on April the 5th? I would be very happy if we sealed it then, but I think it's going to go, yeah, further along the wire than that, sadly. <laughs> OK. <laughs> Maybe uh, <laughs> yeah. when you play Preston then at home on, uh, I think it's 22nd of <laughs> April. Oh, no I one think... wants it to happen to them. <laughs> no, there isn't. There is no chance we clinch promotion at home. There's no way we win a match at home to, to get promoted. That is just not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but you can you can find me on Twitter at Jack with two N's. I PL Index and the boot room to check both of them out. And with that, I just want to thank James and Ben both for coming on today. And thank you guys for listening. We hope you join us again soon. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.